I'm Marianne Kolbesek McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Tony Cook, who is former Navy Cyber Operations Command Director and current Head of Threat Intelligence at security firm GuidePoint Security. So, Tony, we're seeing a surge of large security incidents reported across many industries, including the healthcare sector, tied to vulnerabilities involving third-party providers of applications, IT infrastructure products, and various devices. What seems to be some of the common threads that stand out in many of these incidents? I think what we're starting to see in the industry is that it's much easier for attackers to compromise what you use in your environment to get inside of your environment, right? And that's the whole premise behind the supply chain attacks that we're seeing, whether it's Acelion or SolarWinds or any of the others that potentially might come out of this, is that attackers are finding that they can kind of squeeze out a middleman and attack the companies that you use every day to get their malware or get their goals done in your environment. So now the Excelian hack allegedly involves unpatched vulnerabilities in the company's file transfer appliance. And in the SolarWinds supply chain attack, there seems to be a fair amount of blame game going on between vendors, including Microsoft, regarding the initial attack vector that was used by hackers to enter SolarWinds environment. But ultimately, these attacks have had an enormous impact on many other organizations. Based on what's known so far about these attacks, what stands out to you that healthcare sector entities need to act upon when it comes to their critical third parties? I think a call to being a much more proactive in your security posture, right? And trying to understand exactly what those threats might be in your environment. The idea that you can just inherently trust any security vendor or any product that's in your environment is being questioned right now. So going through even the idea with a tabletop um, to start with of what it would look like if something bad did happen in your environment and what could you do in those environments and then build from there to understand where your gaps are and what you should be doing next and prioritize your actions. So Tony, based on what you're seeing from a threat perspective, what steps should hospitals and healthcare organizations be taking to better vet third-party vendors and their security? Sure. I think the, the first step in that is to, to understand your network, right? And to understand the things that are there currently. Many companies that we go into currently and are working with they just don't have a good sense of what is in their environment. So step one, understand what you do have. And two, moving forward, understand how you can secure those processes, even outside of whatever it is that's promised by those things. There's this idea of zero trust where you don't inherently trust anything in your environment. Every host is, could be a threat. And understanding from that mentality outwards that you need to have security products in place that can give you that level of visibility in your environment if something did go wrong. Tony, as you work with healthcare sector entities, any advice for them to become more proactive in terms of threat hunting? Step one to that, again, is visibility. Ensuring that you don't have any of those visibility gaps in your environment that would make threat hunting implausible. We continue to go back to just a tabletop exercises or being able to kind of just walk through what an incident would look like or things of that nature and come up with these hypotheses of if something bad was in your environment, 
how would you try to detect that? And walk through those a couple of different times. Walk through those hypotheses three, four times and see if you do have visibility gaps. Those, for the most part, have been the, the, the issues when we go in to do threat hunts for these things. The, the complete gaps where you would try to do a threat hunt is impossible because the level of logging or the level of visibility there. When you see visibility gaps, what sorts of gaps? Where are these gaps within the environment where they're not really seeing what's going on? In some cases, there's not even firewall logs that go back, you know, maybe even 30 days. In some cases, there's no EDR solution or no logging posture across the entire environment. Um, Even servers might have been misconfigured to have their logs be just way too verbose and are rolling over in a day and not being centrally logged anywhere. A lot of these issues will start to really pedal up when you try to do a successful threat hunt. And any advice on addressing these issues? I'm going to go back to just making sure you walk through it and and look and see what you do have there. A lot of times it's just you don't know what you don't know because you haven't looked yet. Ensuring you do understand what's in your environment and what your logging policies are and where those things are being centrally located at. If you can grab you know, forensic artifacts across the entire environment or not. Um, there's a lot of open source tools that can help you out do some of these threat hunts, but they do every once in a while have some sort of requirements that you have to do, whether it's, you know, PowerShell remoting or things of that nature, understanding that you can or cannot turn these features on and off to use the tools. It's just having those conversations of what is my visibility, understanding what's in your environment, and then moving forward from there. And so, Tony, what is your team seeing in the wild as possible other systemic sort of issues that these sector organizations are dealing with? One thing that continually seems to be a common thread across our last few engagements was the presence of web shells in open web servers across their environments. Things that, whether it was because it was a shadow IT server that was just kind of out there, or it it was a public-facing web server that they use every day, no one really noticing it. There was no like logs on those things, and all it took was being able to ask the question of, you know, hey, what are all your open web servers or what are your web servers publicly facing and getting a list of those things and then looking at the logs behind it. And then, you know, with some quick triage analysis, finding these web shells, there's not a lot out there that is rocket science for some of these. It's just kind of walking through the paces and understanding. So healthcare environments have lots of medical devices, obviously. What's the level of visibility that organizations tend to have with their medical devices and how much of a potential risk those devices are to become either infected with something or sort of a vector into the network? Medical devices are are usually kind of a unique beast. Hopefully they're segmented off any internet facing segments um, of the network, but really logging on those things are hit and miss. There's not really a lot that's usually done by system administrators on those. If there are, there's usually like some regulation or something to even put additional logging on those hosts, like being able to put an EDR uh, on or endpoint detection response tool on any of these devices is usually either frowned upon or they don't want anything to cause these things to crash. So visibility on those systems sometimes are, are just nil. Um, again, hopefully they're, they're segmented off the network, but we don't see very much logging outside of normal system administration stuff, whether it's on and off, things of that nature um, for medical devices, which hopefully can turn around with some new regulations, but it's, it's hit or miss. And finally, Tony, as you know, we've been seeing a lot of ransomware attacks in the healthcare sector. Any sort of common issues that we've been seeing in these attacks in terms of commonality and how these infections are happening? I know a lot of it seems to start with phishing, but then what? So 
there's a few different groups out there doing different things. Obviously, phishing is a big one. There's usually some groups that are trying to sell initial access into environments, whether Emotet just took a big hit with the government's trying to shut down a lot of that. But there's always someone else out there doing the exact same thing, trying to sell this initial access to ransomware workers or if ransomware are just doing phishing themselves. There's also you know open admin ports that are out there, RDP, SSH, things of that nature that are just open to the world that can be brute forced. We see that quite often still in 2020. 2021. But once those things are done, moving laterally in the environment is almost just too easy nowadays. Once they get legitimate credentials in the environment, utilizing whatever tool they, they feel comfortable with, um, and then mapping out the network and attacking what they want. The, the goal usually is to hit as many systems as possible, but it could also just be as targeted as hitting just the servers that they want in the environment. So that's typically what we see. I've been speaking to Tony Cook. I'm Marianne Kolbisak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.